Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 268 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Guess what, folks? We played a little bit of basketball. The Blue Devils were on the court last night. It is early in the morning on Thursday morning after Duke has defeated Boston College. And I am here to chat about it with my buddies, my partners in crime. I am Jason Evans. I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing this morning? Uh, yeah, so yesterday, not a good day in D.C. Um, I am safe, I will tell you that. And as this morning, that's pretty much all I can say. Uh, that, that works. That works. And glad that you are safe. And yeah, wow. Uh, truly insane day. It felt, I, I'll tell you, it felt a little weird to be playing basketball. I, I, you know, I, I'd spent all day watching the news and participating in the news. As folks know, I work for CNN. And, and then to sort of tear myself away to watch a basketball game just felt strange. But I, I'll be honest, like watching the game last night was just kind of like, it was like kind of like going through the motions. I'm glad that we, we get to talk about all this stuff, but it was very hard to be excited about it. And, and you know, honestly, we'll, we'll talk about, about this a little bit, but the players played like they also were watching the news yesterday, and it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's welcome in the third member of the team, uh, Sam Klein. How you doing, Sam? About the same as, <laughs> as you two. I'm, I'm, I, I just feel very very like tired and and upset this morning and last night at the so the all the craziness that was going on in Washington was happening in the afternoon and evening and I was just getting myself calmed down and going to bed around 11 o'clock last night we're recording it's it's like eight this morning on Thursday I was trying to go to bed at like 11 at the end of the Duke game and then the smoke alarm went off in my apartment for no reason at all. There was no fire. There was no smoke. Everything was fine, but I had to, uh, but I couldn't turn it off. So I had to call the fire department, wait for them to show up all the, you know, they had, there were like 15 firefighters that showed up just to click the, the smoke alarm off. Cause I couldn't tell what was wrong, but then I was all riled up and I had to stay up a while longer. Cause I was uh, anyway, I, I'm a, I'm a ball of anxiety this morning. So I suppose we're going to talk about basketball, which is supposed to make me feel better. We will see if it does. Well, at least we're talking about a Duke victory, and it didn't look the whole game like it we were could have get... been. It <laughs> could have not been a Duke victory very easily. Oh yeah, uh, th- there are a number of ways that could have not been a Duke victory, uh, but in the end, the Blue Devils do pull it out, eighty-three to eighty-two, over Boston College. Uh, you know, the final score indicative of a very, very close game, a high-scoring game, um, uh, in a game where. Coach K was not on the sidelines. John Shire was acting coach, uh, acting head coach for Duke for the first time in his career. And um, a little bit later, we'll be playing you some of the sound uh, of John Shire reacting after the game, talking about what it was like to to be the head man on the sidelines and not have Coach K there. But the story of the game is unquestionably that Wendell Moore, the Wendell Moore that we had expected to play this season finally showed up. It only took him a couple months, but very, very big news for Duke. Uh, let's get started by talking about the game. You know, usually we go through these different categories, the good news, the bad news, all this other kind of stuff. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, we can put that aside because a lot of it sort of jumbles together uh, in this in this contest. Sam, I'll go to you first. And and, and look, clearly, you got to talk about Wendell Moore. What, what surprised you about his performance? That it happened at all. I mean, it, there was no indicator that this was coming from Wendell Moore. I, I don't think we had heard like, oh, he's... He's really stepping up in practice. Things have, have turned the corner from him. 
But after the game, and I know, Jason, you, you have some audio that you're going to bring us from the post-game press conference. After the game, Wendell Moore talked about how during the break he was able to do you know, a little bit of reflection, was able to do a lot of work around his game and, and getting shots up and, and just getting more and more comfortable. I think my favorite moment from this game is when he hit that banked in three and then the camera stayed on him as he, as he went back on defense and you could see this enormous smile of relief on his face. Just like, look, I had to have one go. It was, it reminded me of, of the time a couple of years ago when Jack White went through that long exactly. stretch of without making a three, then he made a three and the Cameron crazies were going nuts. And he just had this, this look on his face. Same thing for Wendell Moore, that shot went in and he was given like the, it was a little bit of a shrug, a little bit of a knowing smile, just, man, I, I can't believe that, that I did that. And then it took him a few minutes after that to make another bucket. And the announcers made a comment like, oh, Wendell Moore is heating up. He had made, to that point, he had made two shots in the span of like six and a half or seven minutes or something. And I was like, normally I would say that that's not, that does not qualify as heating up, especially for a guy who's supposed to be one of the leaders of the team. But for him right now, two shots in one of which was a bank three in the course of six minutes. Great by Wendell Moore. And then he proceeded to have maybe his best game in a Duke uniform. Not, not his most memorable moment in a Duke uniform, but definitely, <laughs> definitely one of his best. And uh, I think we should all be so happy for him if not for, and I know we'll get to the bad stuff, but there's a lot of bad to talk about. I'm really happy to be celebrating Wendell Moore this morning. Well, and he had talked about, you know, we, we had, sound from him on the podcast less than a week ago where Wendell said, you know, I needed to see the ball go in the basket. And he talked about how he had done a lot of that over the Christmas break that he'd taken a lot of shots. He, 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 you know, he'd gone to a a nearby gym to his home and, and just put up tons of shots. And he said, it was good to see the ball go in the basket. Well, it's one thing to see it during practice uh, or in a shoot around. It's a whole different thing to see it during a game. And, uh, you know, I agree, Sam, that the announcers were, you know, maybe hyping it a little bit early on. Uh, but but over the course of the game, you saw that it really did matter that he that he got to see the ball go through the hoop and it completely turned him around and changed things for him. And, and for him to then get he essentially got the game winning basket at the very at the very end of the game. You know, after that, it was all free throws that got Duke there, uh, an extremely difficult shot with only two seconds left on the shot clock. Um, just a huge, huge play, Donald, uh, you know, we're going to keep on talking about Wendell, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And just go to back to that last shot that you were talking about that turnaround fadeaway with like a second and a half left on the shot clock. It was incredible because you could see how confident he was the confidence that we haven't seen from him all season long. And that had been building throughout the game. You, you know, Sam brought up the, the Jack white game from last year where we were at and you could see like he hits the three and everyone goes nuts and he kind of gives a smile. He's kind of like, Hey, Hey, keep it cool. Keep it cool. Like, you know, we're we're early in the game and you didn't see that with Wendell. Wendell was just like, ha, it went in. This is great. Like you could see the excitement. And I think that helped him calm down because he in the second half was probably the most calm of everybody on the team. I, I will say about Wendell that, you know, this had been building for a little bit. We, you, you talked about how he needs to see the ball go through the hoop and shooters get that, you know, if you see that ball go through the hoop, you're like, man, I can do it. Now is going to happen again. And you get that confidence that every shot that you take is going to go in. And he had that confidence throughout the game. I will say this about the rest of the team. I was very, very happy. And I think I told you guys this last night 
very, very happy with how they came out after halftime. I even joked that the player of the game was halftime because usually we come out and we have a very slow start to the second half. And that's when a lot of teams have either put us away or climb back into the ball game. Last night, we were able to get back into the ball game. We were down eight at halftime. And then within you know a minute and a half, we were tied and it was back and forth, back and forth for the rest of the second half. So this was uh, whatever that was. I hope they bottle that and remember that feeling and bring that to the next game because the first few, you know, we always talk about breaking the game up into quarters for, you know, four minute little, little chunks. That first four minutes of the second half was the best basketball we had played so far this season. And just the confidence that we had the entire team, that is what you need. The, the, the strength and the resilience that they had as well all came from that confidence they built in that first four minutes of the second half. Well, and, and the stats, the statistics really bear it out. Uh, you know, and, and it wasn't just an offensive thing. It was both ends of the floor. Uh, and I, I actually think it was more than anything else. It was a defensive thing because what Duke did in that second half, and really we talk about it as, as the second half. I, I think it started the final you know, three, four minutes of the first half when Duke was able to whittle down what was a 16-point lead and get it under 10 points, get it down to eight points at halftime. And, and what you saw was Duke taking advantage of turnovers and turning those into points. Uh, we, we had 28 points, uh, fast break points in that game um, compared to only nine fast break points for Boston College. And those fast break points mostly were coming off of steals where, where Duke was you know, getting out in transition and getting easier buckets. And I think one of the stories of this team is it, ha- it has real trouble. I mean, real trouble getting easy baskets in the half court sets. They have not figured out yet how to, you know, penetrate into the defense, how to work the ball around the perimeter, how to get the easy shots that every team needs to be able to be successful on offense. And, and, and I was concerned because I, I, I had hoped that we would figure it out better. And we struggled at it, especially early in this game. We were really struggling at it. But, you know, it turned around a little bit. I, you know, I mentioned the stats, and I wanted, to, I wanted to just bring this up really quick. In the first half, Boston College shot almost 70%, 69% from the field in the first half. In the second half, they only shoot 45%. In the first half, Duke only shot 38% from the field. In the second half, Duke shot 51% from the field. So that'll tell you. Boston College was getting the shots they wanted early on. We adjusted. We able to. We were able to make them take more difficult shots. And in the second half, Duke was able to get better, better possessions. And uh, you know that's that's the reason we pulled out this one point win. We talked in the preview about Boston College not being great at at holding onto the ball and running good offensive sets and taking advantage of turnovers, like you said, Jason was key here. Duke turned Boston College over twenty one times and turn those, as you said, into a lot of points. So that was, that was big. The, the thing that was troubling for me, and, and you talked about, Jason, the lack of penetration, was Duke's inability, it seemed like, to deal with the zone defense. And, and it's not like Boston College was running a particularly complex zone defense. I don't think most of their players are particularly overwhelming in that regard. But Duke just seemed flummoxed by it. They'd bring the ball up. They'd make one or two passes around the perimeter and then seem like it got nervous. So I, I, I don't know if that's a lack of preparation. I don't know what was going into that. It could just be the layoff. But hopefully they get a little bit more comfortable just reacting to defenses and, and, and realizing that they do have a variety of weapons. It's not like you know we've said that their 
aren't a lot of guys on this team that have a ton of experiences breaking down ACC defenses, but there's a lot of talent. We know Matthew Hurt can do it. We now have seen Wendell Moore do it at least once this season. And we know that some of the freshmen are capable of doing it, even without Jalen Johnson out there. It was nice to see a few different guys contribute last night and, and finally figure out how to crack Boston College's defense, which we know is not that good. Uh, it just took the guys a little bit of time to get their legs underneath of them. Yeah, and I want to talk about a couple other players. We, we spoke about Wendell Moore, and, and boy, of course, he's the story of the game, no question about it. But there are a couple other guys I want to shout out. I, I, I thought Jeremy Roach did a nice guy. So early on, I thought Jeremy Roach was forcing too much. He and DJ Stewart both had a couple forays into the lane that were ill-advised at best. Um, but, but I thought Jeremy Roach got it under control, especially early in the second half. He was the guy who was turning the turnovers, um, you know, by Boston college into baskets. Uh, so I thought he had a nice game and, and I really wanted to mention Jordan Goldwire, who, who I thought, you know, is more and more becoming the steadying influence that this Duke team needs. Uh, he, he had, he had one of these games where he put up stats in a whole bunch of different categories, which obviously hugely important. He had three steals. He had six assists. This is what you want from your point guard. I thought he was the guy who was not forcing um, among the guards, which is, which is important. But the biggest thing I wanted to mention about him was into the game when, when he got fouled with, uh, I don't know, it was like 20 seconds left in the game. I saw him come up to the, first of all, Duke got him the ball. He held onto it and he was like, go ahead and foul me because I'm going to make my free throws. He stepped up to the free throw line and I saw him like reaching for the ball, like, you know, saying to the ref, give me the ball, give me the ball. Like he wanted that shot. There were no nerves at all. And he put both the first one rattled around a little bit. <laughs> Second one went through clean, but he put both those shots down. And, and this was in a game where Duke had really struggled from the free throw line and Duke has not been a good free throw shooting team. And I, I will tell you that one of the things that, that when it was coming down to what was clearly free throws at the end of the game, I was sort of wondering, I'm like, I'm not sure who's going to, who's the guy we want to take these. There isn't anyone on this team that I feel like, oh, he's the man. And, and I feel like Jordan Goldwire in that moment stepped up and said, no, no, I got this guys and, and made sure that we had the victory. Yeah. I, you know what, we, we've talked a little bit about Duke and I want to give credit to Boston college for how they played because they played really well last night. Um, you know, we talked in the pregame a few days ago about how they give up a lot of possession. They give up a lot of shots to the offense and they're not very good at defending offense. And also for their offense, they're also weren't shooting very well so far this year, but they shot very well last night. They shot 56% from the four, 56% from three. That was a performance that I was not expecting for them. And for us on our end, they held Duke to 44% from the floor, 36% from three as well. So they're, they're, they played really well. They had, you know, CJ Felder was all over the place. Rich Kelly in the first half killed us. Uh, and, and, you know, they had all five of their guys in double figure. So I, I want to give credit to how they played because they kept, it wasn't like Duke was, you know, really taking them out of the game. Boston college took the game to Duke in the first half, uh, for a long stretch. And even throughout the second half, when Duke crept back into it, Boston college was right there. They kept trading shot for shot, blow for blow. And it just, they just ran out of gas almost at the end. They didn't have as many possessions. The turnovers, I think were uh, the, the killer for them. They had 21, we had 14, but really, I mean, for a team that's two and eight, they did not play like a two and eight team last night. I don't know if it was because they were coming in Cameron because they're playing us or whatever, but they deserve a lot of credit for how they played. 
So I have one final note on the game that I want to I want to point out, and then we're gonna we want to listen to what John Shire had to say after the contest. This was a rust game for Duke. We had not played in almost a month, and it is easy, I think, to sort of get down on on the fact that the team fell down 16 points to to a Boston College team. That Donald, you're right. They they played hard and they played well and they did a lot of things better than they have this season, but. It's not a great team, and and you would have hoped and expected that Duke would do better against Boston College. But on the other hand, Duke hadn't played in almost a month, and you would you would expect that Duke would not play that great, you know, after having this much rust. Um, we weren't the only ACC team uh, with with high hopes on the season who hadn't played in a while, who fired up, you know, and, and played a game last night for the first time in a month. Syracuse was in the exact same boat as Duke. Syracuse hadn't played since mid-December they'd been on you know COVID pause and games getting um, delayed for a variety of reasons and the such and they played Pittsburgh last night Syracuse did not come out with a win they lost that game to Pittsburgh that's unquestionably an upset I mean Syracuse was looking like one of the teams that was sort of rising up from the middle of the middle of the pack in the ACC and Pitt took them down it is really hard to to not play for three four weeks and then suddenly be expected to compete and um, I'm I'm not at all surprised that Duke struggled early on. And I think the fact that they came back um, and, and sort of found their footing late in the first half, early in the second half is a really good sign for going they, forward. They definitely, you know, we showed a lot of rust and Boston college, you know, also played into that as well. But I will say the way that we were able to break through that rust, it wasn't a, a complete like shattering of a glass and we just stepped down like, all right, the rust is behind us. We're going, we fought at the entire game, but the fact that we did fight it through and still got the victory, I'm very proud of our blue devils for that as well. As much as the team can get excited and tell themselves that it's a real game and, and we're back and everything, them spending so much time not playing in these competitive games and the fact that they're in an arena that's basically sterile at the time that, that they're playing. I mean, I, I, I've noticed it in every game this season, but last night, for whatever reason, it really stuck out to me. Maybe I had the volume turned up or something, but there's just no noise in the gym. So whether you're home or away or on a, even on a neutral site, you can at least feel the buzz in the arena, and that gets the players excited, and they just don't have any of that going on at Cameron Indoor. And I don't know if, if piping in more noise would do that, but it makes it hard, I think, for the players to to get up and get focused for the game because there's no one watching in person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, th- this is a crazy season. <laughs> no question about that. It is a crazy, insane season. And part of that crazy insanity is that Duke played last night without Coach K. So John Shire, I guess technically now 1-0 in his career as a head coach, uh, just it, it, barely though. Yes. <laughs> hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. Congrats to, congrats to Johnny boy. That that's, that's great. I mean, it, really like to step in like that. And you know, the other ones you had Jeff Capel, who was an experienced coach who was able to take over and he knew how to coach. He had been a head coach in the past before he came back to Duke. John Shire hasn't had that experience. So for him to, you know, basically cut his teeth uh, against Boston college in a situation that is unlike any other that we've seen in college basketball history, good on him for for show you know being tough and also for him keeping the guys in it and seeing it through to a victory yeah and so uh, so we mentioned um i'm going to play you a little bit of audio from the post-game news conference that i attended last night uh john shire was very excited uh he was he was quite pleased um with with the way the game had gone and and he was very quick to give credit to to the rest of the coaching staff and to coach k 
uh, even though, you know, he was like, even though he was the face, he was the guy out front, all these other guys deserved a lot of the credit. So, so first I want you to uh, listen to a piece of sound where he talks a little bit about what it was like coaching in such strange circumstances, team having taken a long break and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and, and then right after that, a little piece of sound where he talks about what it meant to have Wendell Moore playing so well, um, you know, returning to the form that we expect Wendell Moore to be at. So here's John Shire from last night's Duke postgame press conference. Hey, John, uh, it's not exactly a normal situation to go three weeks between games and then also for Mike Krzyzewski to not be on the bench. Kind of what were your thoughts and emotions about being out there in this situation that not having a coach out there is one thing, but also three weeks between games. It's not exactly an easy situation to walk into. No, it's it's not how I dreamed about coaching my first game ever, you know, and, and again, I think uh, bizarre circumstances, I think initially all of us, you know, Nate, Chris, Nolan, and I, you want to get that win for coach, you know, just naturally you feel that way. So I think there's pressure you put on yourself that and when I say myself is all of us, all of us felt that way. Um, and you no, know, we really stuck together as a staff, you know, decision-making subs, hectic game. You're, you know, you, you had Matt with the four fouls. So you're trying to find the right lineup, uh, you know, defensively, but also offensively. Uh, so, you know, I'm very thankful for having Nate, Chris, Nolan, just these last couple of days of prep coach also has been there every step of the way, you know, from, you know, in the locker room, you know, he did a zoom with the team right before the game. We've had almost more prep as a staff, you know, with him being gone than with him here, you know, we've, we've been on the same page, you know, talking a lot about Boston college, none of it really worked for us in that first half, but we had to figure a way. So um, just I'm happy we won. <laughs> I'm happy we won. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I wish we had a camera on coach at the end there, just what, what he was, what he was doing, but that's anyway. Hey, John, you know, you mentioned Wendell a couple of times throughout the course of the game, save you guys when, when he is playing that well, when he's playing at his best, what, what is it that makes life easier for everyone else? You know, how, how much better is this group overall when he's sort of firing on all cylinders? Yeah, look, we're a different team. And I think his versatility is something that we've missed. You know, he's really a guy who, who really defended every position tonight. You know, we had him flashing in the middle of the zone. You know, we had him driving the ball from the perimeter. Uh, obviously, he got to the free throw line. Uh, he's defending down on the block. He's guarding outside. Uh, so just his versatility. And, you know, look, we're a team. We have seven new guys, six freshmen. So anybody who has experience, you know, especially Jay Gold, him, Joey and Matt, you know, their, their, their veteran leadership is important. Uh, you know, people respect Wendell when he says something. Uh, but I really think about his versatility and what that does for our team. So, guys, I love the fact that, that Shire, Shire's like, I wish we had a camera on Coach K to see what he was doing. Uh, that, that, that uh, you know, I, I think all of us wish that. Uh, um, I, the, the other thing I wanted to note a little bit about the postgame press conference so Duke brought out two players um, to talk to the media. Uh, they, they, we brought out Wendell Moore, you know, of course. And, uh, I, and he said, you know, obviously he was thrilled that, that he'd had this game, but he just kept on deflecting and saying, you know, it was because his teammates have always believed in him and, uh, and, and that they, they kept on pushing him and telling him that he could do this. And, and I thought that was a really, really nice moment. He said, you know, uh, he, 
he never doubted that this was going to happen, but uh, but the, the confidence that his teammates had in him is what got him through. And then the other guy that Duke brought out was DJ Stewart, who, who we haven't mentioned yet, but, but uh, you know, he had another one of these games. We've talked about this a couple of times this season. DJ Stewart some, somehow finds a way to grab every, every rebound. I think he had eight rebounds last night, even though he's a guard. Uh, frankly, there, there are guys like Jamin Brakefield on this team who, who could take lessons from DJ Stewart in getting the damn ball when it comes off the rim. Um, but DJ Stewart, the thing I just wanted to mention was literally as he was sitting down for the interview, he was like dancing and giddy and he was so excited. Um, and I think he was excited because he had, Wendell Moore went first and he had seen Wendell and, and the success that Wendell had had. And, and that's what it was, what had DJ so, so, so excited. He was smiling throughout his whole interview. It was, it was really great. Um, that kid is just, he has such infectious energy. I think that, that it's a good thing for the team. Yeah, you know, I didn't get to watch the press conference like you did, but you know, we get to listen to the audio that you uh, are able to get for us, uh, and you could you could hear it in both their voices and both in, or all three of them actually. And Wendell, you could tell how excited he was. I mean, I, I think I think he was also singing. DJ Stewart was when he sat down. He was kind of like, "That's my man." Like he, I mean, he was doing that sort of thing. You could tell he was giddy. And then John Shire, you could just you know, I I, I was able at least to watch a piece of his interview, so you could relate the voice but uh, even his voice was a little bit more animated and I think it's one of those things where one these guys were excited to be back playing basketball after three weeks and two they were excited to really ink out a tough win uh, against a team that you know we thought you know I think everyone undersold but they were definitely uh, a team that really came in and gave them gave them all they could so that is to get that win and now we prepare for Saturday uh, where we don't know if coach K is coming back. So they're going to have to prepare as if he's not, I, I think that gave everybody a little bit of confidence. How much have we talked about Matthew hurt getting a double double in this game and generally getting his, his feet <laughs> underneath him. It, it's he got a double double in this game. Did you know that? I didn't, I don't think I, he, I, don't, I mean, I did to, to be fair. I, I would not have realized it if I didn't look at the box score, but yeah. good on Matthew hurt, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that that's great. And I, I speaking of, the rebounding situation. I had texted you guys before the game that, you know, that they had put out the release that, that Patrick to was out. We already knew that Jalen Johnson was out. And I said, Oh, Mark Williams is going to have a double double tonight. Well, I was wrong. Uh, Mark Williams didn't two score a point. You know, the two he minutes. Didn't... He played. Yeah. No, it is six minutes, six, six minutes, minutes for Mark sorry. Williams. Yeah. He did start, but he only played six minutes and Matthew Hurt got all the rebounds. So good on him. Yeah. I, I, look in this game, Duke, Duke definitely went small. I mean, Wendell Moore was the power forward throughout most of this game. And, and there are people out there who will tell you that they sort of think that, you know, a, a, at least until Jalen Johnson comes back, that's probably the, that's probably the lineup. Matthew Hurt at center, Wendell Moore at power forward. And we'll get to see more of that lineup probably this weekend um, because Duke will be playing Wake Forest. We're going to have a preview of what to expect from the Demon Deacons when we come back after this break. All right, guys, so uh, the Blue Devils, hopefully, because in these COVID times, you don't know what's for real, but hopefully the Blue Devils will be back in action this Saturday against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, one of the nice things about this COVID craziness is that somehow we seem to be missing the really good teams in the ACC, like Florida State, and we're getting the teams that are sort of toward the lower tier of the conference, uh, like like Wake and BC, although I'm probably jinxing us to say that. No, no ACC game is easy. 
Uh, we were talking earlier about the, the post-game press conference and Wendell Moore was saying that. He was like, look, we know every ACC team is a difficult task and, and Wake will be, uh, you know, will be a, a, a tough opponent. By the way, I was talking also about, you know, the craziness of, of the action last night and how Syracuse lost to Pittsburgh. Wake was beating Virginia for most of the game. Again, they, they played Virginia, and, and it wasn't until late in that game that Virginia took control and won that game. So uh, every ACC team is difficult. Nothing Duke is also Duke also lost to Wake Forest at the end of last season. Yes, in, we did. In a game like at the end of the season when Wake had nothing to play for, they still managed to beat Duke. So in let's a keep double that one in over mind. in a double overtime stupid game that where both teams scored over 100 points. Very stupid game. One of yes. the stupidest games. Yeah, although the Justin Robinson coming out game, it was that. I mean, it, yeah. it, it had that going for it. So let's let's preview what to expect from Wake. So Sam, I'll go to you first. Tell me what we should look for uh, against Wake Forest. Couple guys that I think you should be on the lookout for. The first, so Wake Forest, we know is in the first year of the the uh, Steve Forbes era. He was hired this offseason, replacing Danny Manning, who they finally got rid of for some reason. It took them that long. So Steve Forbes is in it the, as the coach. He comes over from East Tennessee. And he brings Davian Williamson with him, who was one of his star players for the last two years at East Tennessee. Williamson was, he's a guard and he was a really good jump shooter uh, at East Tennessee. Has not been that way so far away. His three point percentage is down like 15 points this year. He, he in prior seasons, was averaging like 37, 38%, and now is down at like 23. So it's been a struggle for him so far in the ACC. And I'm sure that. There's, there's a little bit of a change for that, but it's not like they've played that many ACC games. I expect him to, to rebound a little bit and become one of Wake's better players. So be on the lookout for him. It, you know, it's, always, it, it's always an opportunity against Duke for a guy to, to break out like that. And then in terms of returning players, the, the guys that we've seen before from Wake Forest, Isaiah Mucius is a, is a guy who played a lot of minutes last year against Duke. He played 36 minutes in that double overtime game that we talked about. And he's currently averaging 12 points and eight rebounds for the demon Deacons. So he's, he's a tougher guy to, to handle in the middle. Otherwise there's not a ton of talent on this wake team. They're kind of like Duke. They haven't played that many games yet. I think it's only like five or six games under their belt for wake forest. So in the same way that Duke is trying to figure out who they are as a team and that Really, so far, every night, it's been something of a different cast of characters that, that's either led the team or made the most impact. Same thing for Wake Forest. They've, they've played a lot of guys so far, and Steve Forbes is clearly still trying to figure out what's going on with his team because they haven't had that many games. They just don't have the, the reps and, the, and enough game tape to know kind of who's going to, to be the leader here. Wake Forest is not expected to, to produce much this year as a team. It, it's... In many ways, it's a transition year for them, Be having a new coach and then obviously all the silliness around the pandemic that is preventing them from from probably doing a lot of the, the things that, that Coach Forbes wants to do. So hopefully it's a game that, that Duke is, is in control of, but I said the same thing against Boston College and then it turned into a, a rock fight for the first few minutes and, and, and then, a, and then you, know, you, you saw what was happening down the stretch. So uh, hopefully Duke can can perform a little better against Wake Forest. And also they're going to be used to not having Coach K on the sideline. I think that's an element that was different for the Blue Devils, something that they were adjusting to early in the game. And now at least it seems like he, Coach K is not going to be around for the Wake Forest game. So 
if nothing else, it means that at least Duke is used to not having him on the sideline and, and John Shire is used to being the head coach. So hopefully things go a little smoother uh, this weekend. So I'll, 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 as I always do, I'll dive into a little bit of the advanced metrics, the advanced stats on Wake Forest and what you should expect from them. They are, you know, one of the lower rated teams in the ACC, 123rd, 123 in Ken Palm. So not a, uh, you know, not an impressive rating in that regard. And, and they are sort of equally mediocre on offense and defense, 123rd best offense, 132nd best defense. There are some things that Wake Forest does really well and some things they do really, really poorly. And, and some of it is sort of like weird and hard to figure out. So for example, they're a great defensive rebounding team. They're the fourth best defensive rebounding team in the country. Fourth best. That is truly impressive. And you would think a team that is great at defensive rebounds, great at stopping you from getting your own offensive rebound, would be also good at the other end of the floor. But weirdly, they're like one of the bottom hundred teams in the country at offensive rebounding. So that's just kind of this strange aspect of their team that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Uh, they are also really good at effective field goal percentage. They, they hit a decent, they hit more than 36% of their threes, which is a, a good percentage of three pointers. And they're a really good. They're one of the top 15 teams in the country at two point field goal percentage. Like they do a great job of getting the ball in position to make shots. But at the same time, they are terrible in effective field goal percentage defense. And they have one of the worst two-point defenses in the country. And then the other place where there's this weird dichotomy for them is, is on turnovers, especially on steals. This is crazy. Wake Forest is the second best team in the country at getting steals, steals percentage. They're the second best team in the country. But on the other end of the floor, they're one of the worst. They're one of the 20 or 30 worst teams in the country at giving up steals, at, at turning the ball over themselves. It's like, it's like they are two completely different animals on different sides of the floor. What you're describing here, Jason, sounds like a messy game between a Duke team that has trouble handling the ball and a Wake Forest team that has trouble handling the ball on top of being able to turn the ball over. Yeah, exactly. I think that is a great assessment of what we're going to see. I think it could be a a weird, messy kind of game. Um, the the advanced metric folks, the, the they all expect Duke to win this game by ten plus points, maybe even like 12, 13, 14 points. You know, we'll see. I, I would I would love for it to be something like that. Donald, what do you see in their results that that uh, you know points to any uh, evidence for how this game is going to go? Uh, well, they don't play anybody. Uh, at least they haven't so far this year. Uh, they're three and two on the season. They're zero and two in the ACC. We'll get to the ACC in just a minute. But remember, they had a nice break for maybe four or five weeks because of COVID. Uh, they, they, I don't know if it was because of what happened on the football team, where you know, as we know, the football team had like a three or four week pause due to COVID, and then that kind of stretched to basketball, where basketball missed a almost all of December because of COVID. They've only beaten three teams. They've all been in non-conference and that's Delaware state Longwood and Catawba. Catawba is a division two team from North Carolina. So that is the extent. And that was when that was rescheduled because they had to cancel a game against Syracuse on the 30th. They played Catawba on new year's Eve. So, and, and by the way, by the way, I want to note both Delaware state and Longwood, the only division one teams they played Neither one of those teams are among the top 300 teams in the country in Ken Palm. This is the weakest, this is the weakest non-conference schedule you will ever see. 
for Wake Forest. Well, well Ken Palm says it's only the 328th uh, worst <laughs> uh, schedule. So uh, that I guess I guess there's some teams that might be worse than them. Uh, Seth Greenberg. Seth Greenberg thinks that this is a really tough non-conference schedule. Yeah, for Wake Seth Forest. Greenberg can do can do way worse. So. Uh, but yeah, the schedule has not been great for them so far. They've again, they've had to cancel four games, including their home game against Virginia. They did play them uh, last night away at Virginia, so uh, that was already already scheduled. So they still have to reschedule a couple of ACC games, Syracuse and Virginia. But against Virginia, like you said, they did play pretty well. Uh, they were ahead most of the game and just kind of lost the plot late and let Virginia get back into it. Uh, they did beat Georgia Tech by 16. So those are your two uh, victory. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They lost to Georgia Tech by 16. So those are your two losses that they have, both of them in the ACC. So Wake Forest, like you said, is kind of erratic. They, they can do things well, but they also counter those good things that they do by doing the same things terribly on the other end of the floor. So uh, they may steal the ball a lot, but they also give up a lot of steals. And so it kind of bounces out. So which Wake Forest team will we get on Saturday? I don't know. The turnaround is a little quicker because this is a noon game. It's one of those, you know, first time of the season that we have one of those new games. We usually have one much earlier in the season, usually that first week of college basketball uh, where we're playing a game on Thursday and then play one on like Sunday or something like that. Uh, but this will be uh, right now the quickest turnaround that we've had because of that noon game. We don't know if Coach K will be back. Uh, his his quarantine is expected to end right around tip-off, so they have not indicated whether that would make him eligible to coach. But it seems like these guys have gotten the one thing that they haven't had all season, confidence. Can they bring that confidence from this win last night over to Saturday, even if Coach K is not on the bench, uh, everybody on the staff clearly has a little bit of confidence this morning. Can they bring that to Saturday against Wake Forest and play a much more solid game and hope that we left the rust last night in Cameron, swept it out the door so that Saturday we have some clean basketball? Because if we do, we should beat Wake Forest pretty easily. Yeah, and speaking of who will and will not be back for that game, one thing that John Shire said on the post game, he was asked about the progress of Jalen Johnson he said that Jalen is doing a lot better, that he's going to be reevaluated, they said today, but that he has not yet participated in a practice. And so John thought it was pretty unlikely that Jalen would be ready by Saturday, but it sure sounds like Jalen Johnson will be back perhaps as soon as next week. Um, and Shire mentioned that, that Johnson has been like doing a lot of passing at practice, which I thought was, you know, like when they do drills, you need someone to pass to the players. He said Jalen Johnson's been the guy doing that. It tells you how engaged he is right now. So uh, I'm just going to make a prediction here. Uh, it's a very slight prediction off the cuff. Uh, bear with me for a second. You know that he, we have a game Saturday, and then we have a game after that looking forward on Tuesday at Virginia Tech. Once we do that, we have an entire week off before we have games against Pitt and Louisville on the 19th and the 23rd. The 19th, that's the game that I think at this point the trajectory is that Jalen Johnson returns on that if everything goes smoothly. I think because of the quick turnarounds between Wake and Virginia Tech, there won't be time for him to get fully acclimated. But after that, we have an entire week of practice. That way he'll be able to get his legs back under him and all in everything that you need to do, the, the little things to get back to playing shape. Pitt is that game that I circle as the date that we probably see the return of Jalen Johnson. But don't forget that there could be a rescheduled game inserted correct. in there somewhere. So correct. That yep. I, I think in, in a normal year, Donald, that is exactly what the staff would be targeting. Even if they might be able to push him back for Virginia tech, it's nice to have the, 
the time to reintegrate him into the rotation, especially because he's so key. But who knows what the ACC is going to decide with the schedule between now and then. Yeah, very, very, very. I mean, great point is also one of those things where it's like, yeah, I looked at the schedule and they have that week for a reason. We'll see if they're able to reschedule one of those games. I, I don't know if they will, though. Heck, if I haven't looked at Pittsburgh's schedule, but maybe Duke gets back-to-back games against Pittsburgh during that week because we do have a game to make up with them. I can't believe we're talking about the 19th. I mean, it's it's the 7th. That's 12 days away. We have no idea what will happen in the next 12 days. <laughs> We've had one January game, so Ooh, we're, yeah. we're well on the way to hitting the over on three and a half. Hey, undefeated in 2021. Stop the count. I love it. I love it. But that's going to do it for us here on this episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. For Donald and Sam, I am Jason. It was fun talking about basketball again and not talking about C-O-V-I-D. Oh my gosh, am I sick of that thing? Go away. Uh, Until the next podcast, until Duke plays again. I am Jason. They are Sam and Donald. And this is the Duke Band to take you home.